Hello, and welcome to AMO Kenzoku. We are a group of four bubblegum crisis boomer otaku who wanted an excuse to talk about anime, manga, and any other things we find interesting. The Kenzoku are myself, Sam. Hey, I'm Nick. Hey, all, I'm Mike. And I'm Dylan. And today is episode 33. We're recording on June 8th. 2023 and the plan is to talk about otaku games uh, and what that means well we'll get into after we talk about uh fanime which was just boy at this point i think two weeks ago um myself and mike both attended um thought we would fill you guys in on what a post-pandemic con is like these days yeah uh, give us the deets so Mike, why, you you mostly went to the con. I stayed in the in the gaming room basically the whole time. Other than went into dealers hall and artist alley uh, a couple of times. Yeah, I mostly did panel either panels or spent a little time in dealers and artist alley, and otherwise hanging out with people I know from our college anime club. Either much more recently or going back a ways. Yeah, which is really what the con is about for me anyways these days. <laughs> yeah. How were the panels? Were there many people in them? Really depended, but like the um, Hirokatsu Kihara 35th anniversary of Totoro retrospective panel, that one filled panels one. I think they said it was 1,200 people, so. Wow. That is massive for a fanime panel, 1,200, wow. Well, given that he had plenty of original My Neighbor Totoro materials to display, then I think everyone went away from that pretty happy, though it would have been nice if seating hadn't taken, hadn't cut into the panel time a bit, because I don't think they really were prepared on the schedule for that panel to have 1,200 people. Mm, yeah, I can imagine post-pandemic fanime, just like logistics stuff is going to have took a hit just because it's been a few years since they've had to deal with it. So I can definitely yeah. envision yeah, that. Yeah, like, I, what's your thoughts, Sam? To me, this felt more like a real con, like not 100%, but it felt like it at least had the normal fanime aspects, Music Fest being canceled at the last <laughs> minute aside. <laughs> yeah, I... I... I felt like I was just coming back to the fanime I remember. Yeah, minus like um, Music Fest, which I never went to, but like the halls were crowded. Like Artist Alley was just crammed like cattle in there. Uh, mm -hmm. Dealer's Hall was just filled with people with uh, props that are too large blocking the way. Like, yeah, it was, it felt real. Yeah. Had, had both of you been to pandemic era fanime or other cons? Well, I went last year, and they had the exact same COVID measures this year, which some people were happier about than others. Um, they required being vaxxed and boosted, and they had a super strict mask policy that theoretically, outside of designated eating and drinking areas, you were only supposed to take the mask off between, like, bites or sips of food, and you were, or for, like, one bite or sip, or supposed to put it back on between them, which... I haven't seen many policies quite that strict. I didn't really see anybody acting that strict either, really. Um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, someone <laughs> at the charity auction was unmasked talking to me for, um, like, 15 minutes and no one called him on it, though calling someone in the middle of the charity auction would be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But overall, it felt like most people were respecting it. Like, I didn't see any major enforcement problems. Yeah. People I, making I, a scene. I wonder if it will if they will keep it next year. That that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean you had to agree that you were okay with it in order to pre-reg for Fanime next year. Though yeah. whether they still have the same measures, it feels unlikely to me. Just yeah. because so much of society feels like it's done. I mean not to derail too much, but I mean and being that my industry is, you know, very deeply entwined with it being in life science like the conferences that i go to these days literally maybe one half of one percent of attendees and these are like multi tens of thousands of person conferences so i might see a few dozen people wearing masks out of ten thousand and these are all life science professionals scientists people that develop vaccines etc so and you know it's a they're global too it's not just you know north american people people from the eu from asia apac so i think just globally speaking the trend is definitely uh, uh, way down as far as um voluntary masking so yeah that's the feeling i got to get the feeling that like people were all um happy to follow the rules but also they didn't feel like anybody was like excited to wear a mask or anything so yeah. they would come off as soon as they're outside of the zones you know I mean, I certainly did that. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's one of those things where it, it'd probably be hard to get the data, but I wonder if, aside from let's just ignore the the COVID transmission, like if it actually reduced transmission of like every other airborne illness in there. I'm sure it <laughs> did. Like, I yeah. didn't have obvious con cred this year, and from what I've heard from people who've been going to cons for a long time is that they've also noticed way less con cred at when they wear a mask to things. So at least older con goers may keep wearing masks for a while, even if COVID is less of an issue, just mm -hmm. not to get con cred. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of wish they keep kept like stats on that. If they had some way of, of doing uh tracing for how much con play outbreaks there were. But we'll probably never know. They probably don't want to know those things also. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of that's like voluntary info anyway, so there's no like real way to get accurate data for that. Yeah, you have to like do some really unscientific social media scraping or something like that. Yeah, mm, yeah, mm, no thanks. <laughs> but but uh, Sam, since your experience of fandom was primarily relegated to the game room, and that probably would segue wonderfully into the topic for tonight, how was the uh, the uh, game hall for fandom this year? Uh, it was it was cool. Um, I mean, I don't know. Was it like ninety percent rhythm games? Uh, no, actually, it was a, it was a really good variety. I, oh, I good. was pretty pleased. They had um, usual that you know they had a lot of arcade stuff in there, um, and it was. I mean, well, so overall, they had a arcade section, they had a tabletop section, a console section, and a PC section, both about the same size. Or not both, but all all of those each the same size. Um, the arcade stuff they had, um, a Bishibashi game. Uh, if you guys know what that is, you like basically whack buttons really hard to play random Mario WarioWare like games. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
uh, a bunch of light gun games. Uh, oh man, throwback. Yeah, um, modern light gun games too, um, and uh, of course a bunch of rhythm games, and uh, a row of uh, candy cabs with like fighting games on them. Even had a racing Pokemon. games too. Oh yeah, that's right. They had a, they had some racing games like and Denture like, to go. Oh, they had Denture to go. So I'm assuming they were like probably like either what like uh, Initial D or some yeah facsimile Initial there D. Of, yeah, yeah, definitely it was an Initial D. Um, I I think maybe only was Initial D. I feel like there was one other racing game that I yeah I feel like there was, but I can't remember what. Uh, it yeah. might maybe was it the uh, see the Sega spinoff or was it Sega? It was was it Wangan Midnight or whatever it's. Uh, I don't think it was Wangan. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, could have been. Yep. Being as someone who hasn't been to a con in a long time, what was the comment about? Like, oh, is it all rhythm games? Because, yeah, like I haven't been to one in a long time, and even there, I wasn't really in the the gaming area. This is anecdotal for me, but just the the um, other circle of people I'll call friends and acquaintances that regularly frequent, um, you know, like anime. No conventions and stuff. Uh, they when it comes to gaming, they are disproportionately way more into rhythm games than not. And I would say the the bulk of these people are probably young millennials to older Gen Zers. Probably mostly young millennials, so like you know, late twenties, very early thirties. But you know, definitely so like you know, ten years younger than us. But they seem to be very much into these like really big like rhythm games that are more even different than like the pop and music and and you know beat mania that we were used to these now everything's kind of turned more into like touch and slide stuff from what i've seen is is mm-hmm. a, a lot of it like there's one i don't even know i don't i don't know what any of them called anymore but you're basically standing in front of what looks like a tunnel made out of leds and you're, you're, the washing sw- machine the is washing the, machine is... yeah and you and you're swiping your hands around and following you know the the track or whatever that's on the thing and so that's kind of it's kind of an ad, like i think an adaptation of what a lot of rhythm games on mobile devices are yeah so oh, so this yeah, this do... is like an arcade hardware piece of of yes. thing it's not just like oh we it's not like people are there like selling a million different rhythm games this is like they set up like a playing arcade with a bunch of different games and stuff yeah oh okay i was yeah. like i was trying to figure i'm like because it sounded to me it was like oh this is like a sales or promo thing at an arcade type thing or gaming area and it's like what What do you mean that like every single game that's coming out that's being promoted is a rhythm game yeah that there's i would they, say they were probably the most popular machines there yeah i would sure. say arcade new arcade hardware wise because fighting games have basically died in arcades um it's almost exclusively like not like I don't want to novelty isn't the right word, but like arcade like machines that you could not really replicate at mm. home because yeah. that equipment is like all multi thousands of dollars. So okay. that's why rhythm games are kind of what dominate arcade scenes these days, and as from is my kind of assumption. Okay, yep. that makes sense. All right, I understand. I understand what you're saying better now. Okay. Otherwise, I guess we can't really wrap up Fanime 2023 without mentioning Bart because that was the surprise. That- thing that everyone oh. was obsessed with at the con what do you yeah. mean they had mascot anime mascot characters created and they had like standees of them and it was like the most i think it was a very popular booth in the dealer's hall where people could come and like have their pictures taken with these mascot characters i think they may have been giving away free swag which will do that but yes. i'm not sure because i never braved the line 
Yeah. They were okay. I, 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 I was disappointed that none of the, uh, characters that they made represent the piss that is slowly moving towards your foot when you're on the train. <laughs> that, that was, I think like... they really need that for all to see. I felt like that was inauthentic. Oh, so, so this was that like they partnered with BART, which is the Bay Area Rapid transit the Bay area regional transit regional yeah. transit and they like together partnered and made like a bunch of mascot characters i see that's okay. uh, that's very japanese actually i feel like japanese prefectures yeah. do that all the time yes yeah. oh absolutely yeah yeah they commissioned like four california artists i think um i don't know if they're all bay area but definitely all from california and yeah it's yeah, they're they're pretty cool. I, I I applaud them. They they uh they announced them shortly before the con. Um I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm all, I'm all for them trying new stuff and supporting, you know, local anything. So, that's always cool. Yeah, they're having ridership problems, right? Because of post-pandemic, people mm-hmm. aren't wanting to ride, so they're trying to encourage younger people to ride because they're less scared, I guess. Uh, all right. So that that wraps up our Fanime report, and let's talk about games, uh, otaku games uh, in particular. So before we uh, get really deep into otaku games, I, I kind of want to feel out what you guys think is an otaku game. So to get started, before I'm sure you guys all have maybe a definition in your mind. Maybe you don't. Um, I'm just going to give a list of games, and I want you guys to tell me Without, don't give me a reason, but just tell me if you think it's an otaku game or not. So just okay? a yes, just a simple yes, no. Just yes or no. We we don't have to um, convince anybody. Got just it. Kind of feeling it out. Right. Halo. No. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, Tokimeki Memorial. Yes. 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 Um, and I'll, I I want to point this out as I was gathering this list to make sure I was getting some of these names right. Um. Tokimeki was originally a PC Engine game. I didn't know that. Um, and another factoid that I didn't know is Igarashi worked on uh, scenario writing yeah, for this Iga, game. Iga, it was one of Iga's <laughs> first projects. He's even yeah referenced in it as Iga. So yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, what the heck? That was a name I didn't expect to see. Yeah, um, the father of Castlevania worked on Tokimemo. Yeah, storied beginnings. Well, I mean, it was Konami, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so here's another one. Uh, Idolmaster. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go no. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get into that later then, I guess. Um. So Higarashi no Nakukoroni. Um. When they cry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh. Fate stay night. Yes. Yeah. The because there's like a million things. We're we talking about like the Fate Stay Night original game or something, or yeah, the, the original game, Fate Stay Night, the visual novel. Oh, okay, the original uh, Fate Stay Night original novel. I'm gonna say both yes and no. I'll clarify. Okay. Um, <laughs> and a pop quiz: Where does the slash go? Oh God! Nobody knows. It goes through your your throat. Is it is it is it fate stay slash night? 
I I put it by I put it right after the F. Just F slash eight <laughs> eight stay night. I never really pay attention to the franchise, so I'm going to take the normie mistake and think it's between the fate and the stay. Oh, it is it is between the fate and the stay. Oh, okay. I originally I thought faded. like Nick. I thought it was stay slash night, um, but I was wrong. I think I had <laughs> this a... is also why I was on Wikipedia. Yeah, our 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 understanding of of Japanese like weird idiosyncrasies with the English language, I think, warped our perception. So yeah, yes. Um, okay, uh, the last few here. Seaman, uh, the old Dreamcast game. Oh, the Seaman. Oh, man. I know nothing about this game, so no. I can neither comment yes or no. Uh, I'm sure you remember it if I say it's the I, voice I of it. Leonard Nimoy with the fish and the man's face. And you have the little microphone you stick into the Dreamcast controller. No, no, I really somehow missed that in my limited Dreamcast experience. Wow. It, it was oh, like okay. the first console virtual pet game, I want to say. Yeah, I'm gonna go, if you could call it that. I'm going to go yes. Yes? Okay. Nick, what did you say for that one? I said no. No, okay. And I guess Mike, you're you're passing because you don't know what it is, so Yeah, um, honestly, if it's on Dreamcast and Ben and his roommates didn't play it actively, then I probably missed it. Okay. Uh Final Fantasy. No. Wait, Final Fantasy the franchise as a as a whole or Final Fantasy like one? Uh I would just say as a whole. Just because I feel like yeah. No. Currently, currently, yes, but not before circa two thousand and let's say ten. Oh, you're so you say it's an otaku game now, but it wasn't before. Yes. Oh, that can be interesting. I can kind of understand that, though. I'm not sure when I draw the date cut off. Uh. Okay. Um. Tales of basically same kind of thing. Any of those games? Yes. Yeah, I think so. See, this is another one that. <laughs> that I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give both a yes and no, and it's the same reason for the other one. So. Okay. Um, all right, then I'll go to the last one: uh, the Maiden Abyss game. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So now, now that you've staked positions on some of these things, I want you guys to kind of see if you can maybe tell me what you're thinking um, when you think of what is an otaku game and why. No, uh, Nick, explain your Final Fantasy thing. So I guess the easiest way to describe it is to start with my definition of otaku game. Mine is pretty reductive, um, honestly, because and pretty broad. Basically, my opinion on what a classified otaku game is, if it has clearly obvious influence in either character design, theme, or a combination of the, of those two, like setting, um... And that's kind of very prominent in the you know design materials like cover and all of that. Then it, it's an otaku game with almost no caveats. Um, so in any, in my opinion, any any genre can be an otaku game if the design philosophy fits that description. So that's why with Final Fantasy, at some point, I think that it got big enough that they wanted to try to branch out and turn it into a multimedia thing. And I think that's kind of around where I feel like it started to become kind of otaku-ish. So right around when they made that horrible feature-length film, The Spirit Within, <laughs> is that what it was? I think we all yeah, went and saw it in San Francisco. I remember that. That was yep. 
bad. Blocked it from my memory. But <laughs> I truthfully cannot tell you what the plot of that movie was. Um, and that's rare for anything I've watched. But right around then, I want to say I feel like Final Fantasy just started kind of becoming otaku-ish. And I would say, uh, especially by the release of Final Fantasy XI, the MMO, I would say almost certainly, yes, that Final Fantasy is now an hmm. otaku game. Okay. Um, Dylan, you seem to have some interesting criteria. What, what would you say an otaku game is? So I, I would say it's one that has a... It's hard. It's hard to put it exactly in words, but I'll go with kind of like something one that has an intended niche market. It's it's mm. not it's not intended to be a big selling huge like it's intended for a a very niche market. And I have I have I have an example game. Um, we can I don't know if we're, okay. we're going to go to those later. Um, oh yeah, we'll, we'll go to those later. Yeah. So. Uh, what was the ones I? What was the ones I said that I was kind of like yes and no? I think the, the fate tale. Fate stay night. Yeah, the fate stay night. So my yes and no, and I think with the tales there, and this is one of those things where I think that those games are, and I I may end up changing some of my opinions on things. I reserve that right. Um, mm-hmm. but that they were in Japan, those are both intended to be large market very pop broadly popular games i highly debate that with fate stay night that, that yeah. that's a fair i think maybe maybe not that maybe that one is i'm i'm off there a little bit i mean the, the original novel one probably not i'll, I'll say but oh, that one is it's definitely pornography so okay yes. i was thinking that one wasn't as uh i was Tight thinking moon, that that's yeah. anything they did initially was gonna be um h for sure Okay, I thought Stay Night wasn't, and it, that was one that was further out. Okay, so then I would say, yeah, if it's got the pornographic stuff, then that's automatically going to make it for a design for a specific <laughs> sub genre. But my so my my yes, that it is a taku would be for like the U.S. release of those things or anything like that, because then in the U.S. market, it's so different for those sorts of things where it was almost like, oh, well, it's the same thing, but it's almost like putting it out here, it's designed for a much different uh, audience. But do you think it's mass appeal? Like, I still feel like even even like a, a depornified Fate Stay Night mm-hmm. is is going to be... A pretty niche audience. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change my my vote on that and say that one is definitely otaku. On, I was saying that one was definitely otaku in the U.S. and I was saying no in Japan, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna change to yes in Japan as well. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah. So, what's your rationale for the Tales of series then? Because those ones, I, in my opinion, I could be totally wrong. Is I feel like those were like hugely broad and are still like pretty very broadly popular in Japan, whereas in the U.S. They're much more of like a niche, like sub anime JRPG uh, type game. Okay. So I want to riff off that with mine because mine, I kind of have two definitions. If, depending on, I don't know, how somebody wants to talk about it. One is that it's like a thing that has a, it is kind of niche and it is basically tied to japan um so like if if you are playing a thing out here and it's basically a pretty japanese then i would say it's a otaku thing that way 
So it's got to have some kind of anime, kind of uh, Japan connection. Because a lot of people, like more people than I realize, don't really like that stuff. Yeah, we have such a we have such a a uh, myopic view of what stuff is popular that we're like, well, of course, every single human ever has played Guilty Gear. Like, what, what are you talking about? Of course, you've played that game. Yeah, of course. Yeah, apparently, there was a whole phase where it was very standard in gaming press and other things to totally get all over Japanese games and game design and not really following. I totally missed that that was a thing. Right. Um, so my other definition is basically um, similar to uh, D- D- Dylan's made for a niche audience or or was that was that Nick? Who, who was the one who said that? That, that, was, that was Dylan. That was yeah, Dylan. That was yeah. Um, and but also uh, I tie a little bit of shame to it for like I I think just being for a niche audience isn't necessarily enough. I feel like there needs to be a little shame, much like you know, kind of. Although even in Japan, I think otaku is kind of losing some stigma. I think it's generally um, pretty derogatory, and so like you don't want to be an otaku. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like an otaku game should bring you some kind of shame where you're maybe a little bit embarrassed to admit that you play it. So like maybe uh, Tractor Simulator, I wouldn't necessarily consider an, an otaku game because, I mean, it's niche, but like it's just kind of like, oh, okay, you like that game. Or, you know, like Microsoft Flight Simulator is niche, but like nobody's going to bat an eye if you say, oh, yeah, I, it, like it seems weird when like, you know, our parents might even play Microsoft Flight Simulator, even though it is a very niche game. Um, and I wouldn't consider them playing an otaku game. On the other hand, if you're playing a Japanese train simulation game in the U.S., you're probably an otaku. Yes, I think that, that hits my, my Japanese box. Um, what about you, Mike? What is your definition? Uh, well, mine is pretty half-assed Supreme Court definition of obscenity, <laughs> like more of an I know it when I see it, like with no other info whatsoever, if I know you play this game, do I think it's highly likely that you're a weeb or not? If the answer is yes, it's an otaku game. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty good one, too. I, I, I don't. I, I can I like definitely that. say that that most of my statements also lives within my definition as well i i can say yeah i think that is the my preferred one which is kind of why i wrote up the list because i kind of wanted to think through like before i had a definition i wanted to kind of say like well these are this doesn't quite fit what i thought my definition was so but i think this is an otaku game so i maybe have to adjust it i don't know it was it was a fun exercise um all right so did you guys have a example games? Dylan, you had a uh, an example you wanted to give of uh, a otaku game you wanted to talk about. Okay, so I've got one. It's, it's a little different. So I'm going to go with Steel Battalion. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely an otaku uh, game. It, in summary, it uh, was released in, in Japan originally in September of 2002 and then U.S. in November uh, for the original Xbox, which... Is already super niche because original Xbox in Japan, I think, sold, I don't know, like 10,000 units total or something like that. Um, so it's a, a mech warrior like game, just kind of going off the, uh, the, the wiki, the wiki here. So, um, you control a tank, a, uh, to control the tank, the, the play requires use of a large controller. It's like three separate panels that are all together. Um, when it originally came out, it was like, 
around two hundred fifty dollars in two thousand two. It also um, had foot pedals. Oh yes, and pedals. Oh, yeah. Yep. So yeah, the controller consists of forty four input points, mainly buttons, but also uses two joysticks, a throttle handle, a radio channel dial, five switches, an eject button, and three foot pedals. Um and you know, it's like at the beginning of every mission, the player must start up the machine and operating system. You know, it's handled through a series of switches and buttons dedicated to that purpose. You know, if you turn a corner too fast, you fall over. If the machine overseats, its operating system has to be reset. The game even simulates window wipers in case of mud hitting the monitor. If the player does not eject when prompted, the player's in-game character will die, and the game will delete its own saved data, prompting the oh, wow. character player to start over from the beginning. It is, I did not know that bit. Yeah, like super hardcore uh, perma uh, permadeath. So, and I was thinking about this because I was like, it's not like what you think of traditionally is that, but I was thinking of the, um, I, for, I forget his name, but the military otaku from Otaku no Video. And I'm like, well, he's totally an otaku. This is, this would be the game that he would have made, you know, in mm-hmm. his, in his home mm-hmm. simulator. And I'm like, and that's would be totally an otaku game, just not a weeboo otaku game. I mm-hmm. totally can yeah. agree, but I would say that in order to warp this into my definition, because I do agree it is an otaku game. I would say that, Steel Battalion is what happened when a Japanese game developer saw MechWarrior and said, I can make this feel more awesome, and proceeded to make Steel yeah. Battalion. Because anybody who's played MechWarrior, it's a very slow, plodding, you know, sim-like experience. Like, if, you know, bipedal robots existed, this is most likely how they would pilot, not like Gundams, you know, or anything in Armored Core. But... uh yeah, so in that sense, I, I it has a, a shiny a shiny coat of of Japanese influence on it. So yeah, oh, definitely, it, it definitely, yeah. definitely would talk. Yeah, about huge, huge, huge mech warrior. Yeah, influence thing, and um, you know, I haven't, I didn't go deep, super deep into this, but like, yeah, the developers were like, yeah, this this thing was really made as like just kind of this crazy experimental thing to like show what could potentially be done and it actually like it basically it made money because really yeah because they sold it for a price point where they weren't losing and they it pretty because it was such a weird crazy thing it actually like pretty much sold out so um yeah one of my college roommates had one (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i've seen a surprising number of those controls over the years for something you would have assumed would have sold almost nothing yeah i i mean i thought it was cool at the time i mean i still think it's cool like i, I yeah. want a, another game like it but i also now as an adult even though i have this space i, I have too much stuff so like i don't <laughs> i don't want to um i wouldn't buy a new one if it came out because i don't want that junk sitting around in my house yeah, like, exactly uh, <laughs> but <laughs> i still think it's really cool i would just rather go somewhere else to play it like maybe an arcade <laughs> Yeah, or when VR gets there in a few years. Well, that's a thing. They actually, there actually was a follow up. Uh, there was the original game came out two thousand two. There was a very short lived, and that was all single player. There was a very short lived multiplayer um, addendum game that had like a multiplayer online service that came out in, um, I think it was two thousand three or four or two thousand four. That the online service ran for like maybe a year. 
But then in in 2012, there was a follow-up that was done for uh, the 360 Connect and was done by FromSoft. Um, Oh, yeah. But it was not very well uh, received just because the Connect just did not work right. So So they did make an attempt to take that and put it in a thing that didn't require the custom you know, $250 controller. But like, that's the appeal. That's why I kind of right. scoffed at the, yeah. at, at the VR ideas. Like if I don't have the controller, what's the point? Right. Um, if you don't have a controller, then it's, well, so here's the thing. Like if steel battalion comes out and it doesn't have the controller, is it still an otaku game? Uh, I mean, it's a mech game, so I, I don't know. Maybe, hmm. though Maybe, it's probably also yeah. a forgotten flop. Yeah, if, yeah. If if that were the case, it would definitely it wouldn't be a game that anyone would have that would have immediately come to my mind as ooh, here's here's an otaku game. Um, but you know, there is the new version of there's the new. It's not exactly the same, but there is the new Armored Core game that FromSoft is is oh, making. I think Armored Armored Core is quite different than Steel Battalion, though. Armored Core has been its own thing for about as long and in my opinion is quite definitely an otaku game oh okay you think it is definitely an otaku game uh yes i do so i would Hmm. say uh, i i would say by my by my definition that at least the new upcoming armored core is not an otaku game um Hmm. and i'm gonna say that because i'm gonna say that based off of the popularity and publicity and stuff a lot of it from the publisher and they're they're coming from what i think i would call their earlier stuff was very otaku games and then they became popular and became much more uh broadly appealing out to elden ring being the huge mega hit that it is that i think the new armored core game is not an otaku game because by my definition it's not aimed at a specifically at a sub a super micro subgenre it's it's meant to be a cool fun game that is going to move a lot of units and get a lot of discussion and stuff around it yeah mm. in my eyes it it's still t- the for me it's too obvious that a lot of the mech philosophies in there are obviously inspired by gundam i mean mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. but bi- most bipedal mech anything honestly game wise is probably based on Gundam to a certain degree. Uh, yeah. I would say Armored Core is not completely, but largely, because they definitely have, you know, more re- like sim-ish elements. But when you look at how those things move with the jetpacks, like, you know, these jarring, you know, 90 degrees suddenly, you know, changes in, in, in 3D space. It's like, yeah, the, if there was a real pilot in that, they would have turned into mush because there's <laughs> no way you can handle that sort of sudden change in, in uh, you know, in trajectory. But... I, I get what you're saying that now that FromSoft has hit mainstream like you know visibility, that it may not. But I still feel I I mean without not without having played it, it's impossible for me to say whether it will be or not. But if they hold true to the Armored Core philosophy, then I would say yes. Um, what was the Flames of Rubicon or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. Fires of the Rubicon, um, mm-hmm. is is most likely still going to be an otaku game, but in my eyes. What if they put a slash in the title? What if they call it Flame <laughs> slash Rubicon? Does that then make I mean, it more or less otaku? More, definitely sure. more. Weird, <laughs> weird usage of English 
<laughs> grammar, gramma, grammar structure automatically makes it more otaku. Get it, get it. Oh, yeah, that's what a about an umlaut? Two. Is an umlaut more or less otaku than a slash? <laughs> oh, that's tough. <laughs> given how the Japan likes to abuse the umlaut. Uh, toss, a couple, uh, toss a couple colons and semicolons in there for good measure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. If there's one thing we have to make sure, it's that this title does not compile. <laughs> uh Mike, did you have a an Otaku game in mind? Um I have not played many games lately except Yakuza Zero, which Oh, Otaku game for sure. One hundred percent agree. Definitely feels it, yeah. I mean I'm you know, running through obviously 80s Kabukicho and Doten 3 while playing at Sega arcades. And, okay, it feels like an otaku game, because if there's a genre of manga about it, you can probably do it at some point. Yes. <laughs> Between, like, slot car racing, mahjong, shogi, gambling with homeless people in the park. like Kar- Karaoke. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Running a host bar. Disco. <laughs> those are wild games. Uh, I've never played any of those, but I've always been curious to. But it just seems like, I don't know, I feel too late, you know? I feel you. But you're playing Zero. You're, yeah. Now, this is your first one? Yeah. Okay. Though I then have the remakes of one through three also sitting in my Steam library from like a humble bundle a while ago. So. Oh, okay. I, I, from my, my one of my friends is having a ton of fun. I think it's the Like a Dragon one where you play as Ryoma Sakamoto. That's um, the RPG, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, but... Like a Dragon is the what the whole franchise is known as in Japan, and. Yeah, yeah, it's called just, Ryuga Gotoku, which is yeah. translates to like a dragon. So they're just changing it to like like a dragon, like as a franchise now. Because oh, uh, okay. Oh, it's, yeah, that's right. They yeah. they rebranded it here. Cause, yeah, because yeah. it was always called Ryuga Gotoku, and but they called it Yakuza because people were like like a dragon. That's not going to sell. We got to call it something obvious. So Yakuza, and then it took off in popularity, and now they're like, okay, more people are weep and Japanese conscious. So maybe you can just go back to what it actually was called and so they're just calling it like 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 a dragon studios or something like that now also they're kind of releasing less yakuza oriented titles in it so they might have wanted to prep for that so let me let me come back to that with the renaming because you know for me the number one changed uh renaming thing was when they was when final fantasy fixed the numbering and jumped in the u.s from three directly to seven because three u.s was supposed to be was actually six um and so i'll I'll just go with that there a question of like I'll, i'll call them by their japanese numbering like six versus seven like would you say that one or both of those were or are otaku games so, Nick, it sounded like you were saying that you thought that basically Final Fantasy up to roughly 13 were not otaku and no, stuff thir- after... 13's, 13's de- no, no, 13's definitely an otaku game. 
Yeah. I think pretty much right after 10 is where I feel like I started to become more otaku mm. Around 10 was already becoming otaku-like, as I would say. So mm. I would say 7 is kind of the very first beginnings of it becoming more otaku-leaning, is what, I, what I'd say. I think otaku mm. can be a spectrum. I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> binary. So yeah. I, I think that by when Tetsuya Nomura took over the designs, very much more otaku-leaning. And then he also took over at a time when you could represent more of those designs too. Right? To an extent, I mean, if you look at the original FF Seven, like the the soda can arms and the you know s- sphere hands, like you wouldn't, I wouldn't say those look identical to his. Designs, no, no, but like, but... He, sure, but like his designs are the, the designs started being more prominent. Yeah, I say. I, like before I, well, nobody knew what the, really what they looked like except for the the cover of the box art, right? Well, but, not to mention like Amano did everything before that, right? Yeah. His his art yeah. is incredibly I, borderline abstract at times. I would yeah. say very I mean, it looks great, but if you didn't read the manual, you mostly didn't ever see it. Yeah, you would think it would it was just like a fine art piece, not associated with the game. Whereas you look at the you look at Nomino's designs, you're like, yeah, that's definitely for some kind of Japanese video game, is what most people would say back then. And yeah, so starting with seven, eight, um, nine to some extent, and then definitely, I, I think the clearest line for me is when they decided to release ten two, and Yuna became a pop star. <laughs> that is when Final Fantasy went full otaku. That I'll, I will draw the line there is is when it went full otaku was FF ten two. So yours, mm. you don't you don't really make a distinction between like otaku and nicheness. It's more like um, kind of the origin feel of the of the game is that fair Mm, it's more about like visual aesthetics in Mm, in, in those sense yeah because again i think that any genre of game can be an otaku game it's Mm -hmm. about the wrapping so case in point uh I'll, I'll, i'll we'll use one of my favorite genres fighting games i would say that Generally speaking, Street Fighter as a series is not an otaku game. However, I think Guilty Gear is absolutely an otaku game. Mm. Oh, no doubt. And mm. it's not it's not meant to slander one or the other. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the the rap. And of course, the mechanics of both games are quite different. But even more extreme, let's say Persona 4 Ultimax, apt like super otaku game. Like it's per- Persona as a series. At, starting at Persona 3, I feel, was super otaku game. I think right around when Persona hit 3, when they had like animated openings, was when it became more otaku-y. Especially 4 and 5, 100% are otaku games. It's basically everything in the what, what I guess is now called an anime fighter, right? Like, which mm-hmm. Guilty Gear definitely falls into. Yep, anime fighter or air dasher, as other people like to call them. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, for me, it's more about the the rapping and the themes than it is about mm. the content itself. Although I do reserve the right to occasionally say that something, for example, like Armored Core. I don't think, from initially speaking, Armored Core looks very anime-y, but you look at the way the mechs move, to me, that's very anime. So it's more about the behavior of the mech in that sense. So there's it's, it's, it's when there's a prominent game element that is clearly anime-inspired, is where I draw the line for otaku game. And I'm using the more American definition of otaku, which is somebody who's obsessed with Japanese anime culture, where in Japan, the term otaku is actually more meant for somebody who's obsessive about a very peculiar topic. So there's definitely uh, 
kind of how you use the word otaku because the word otaku in the U.S. is completely different. Well, not completely different, but it's broadly uh, applicable to anything anime related. Where in Japan, it's actually useful, useful used in any topic. If you're it's just, if you're obsessed with enough with something, you would be called an otaku of that topic. So yeah, that's why I kind of split mine into the two, like depending on your perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's totally valid. Which okay, Metal Gear Otaku Gamer series. Ooh, or that's Ooh. actually a tough mm. one. Because honestly, Metal Gear just was its own thing for so long, right? I mean, it really it to me. I want honestly the analog I use is Metal Gear is to gaming as is as, as uh, Cowboy Bebop is to anime. Like it mm-hmm. was it it was such a unique thing, and it was so cool, and no nothing else had ever done what it did. Especially Metal Gear Solid specifically, right? Solid is where it really blew up. Because obviously it existed like on the PC for you know the '80s or whatever, but nobody really played those games. But yeah. Metal Gear Solid was, became this cinematic masterpiece, right? So I, I will oh, say man. I do remember uh, I would I would rent the original Metal Gear for for Nintendo um, back in the and never get past like the back third in screen. The 80s. <laughs> well, yeah, that would definitely happen. I'd go smoking and wouldn't get past the third screen but i remember sitting there hammering in and at some point i randomly input like the correct code and it got me like a whole ton of stuff and got me like two-thirds of the way through the game and i my uh my eight-year-old body or you know felt pretty felt pretty sweet like i had defeated the machine because otherwise i was definitely losing so that was one of my crowning moments of my first 10 years of life was coming finding a random code <laughs> for metal gear that actually got you past the i feel asleep guard yes and and the first dog which killed everyone that that first dog <laughs> just ate so many so many gears yeah, like, so much metal when i when i was a kid everyone i knew seemed to have a copy of that game and no one i knew was any good at it <laughs> uh Nick, did you have a otaku game? I mean, yeah, I have I have lots and lots, but I think the one that this group probably associates the most with me and I'm totally okay with is Sakura Wars because I'm pretty sure I'm the only oh, person yeah. that's played most of them. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, that's not the one I thought you were going to go with. Uh, oh, what did you think I was going to go I with? I thought you were going to go with the other one that starts very similarly, Super Robot Wars. Oh, you know, it's funny because I was going to say Super Robot Wars originally, <laughs> but when you think about it, Sakura Wars in a sense is kind of like Super Robot Wars because yep. it's tactical fighting mm-hmm. but and with robots, but yep. instead of like cool, like Go Nagai era robots, it's like steam-powered robots powered by Bishoujo characters. So, yeah, yeah you know, I, I, it kind of best of both worlds. But I mean, I feel like Sakura Wars was such a defining game in the otaku game sphere. Like, I don't think anybody debates mm-hmm. Sakura Wars as an otaku game. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the game spawned anime. It was one of the rare instances of a game spawning anime. And, you know, even the game's, you know, the main title track, right, is one of the most iconic of the the, the 90s, probably, right? Like, yeah. how many times has everybody heard the Hashire Tosoku no? Like, I <laughs> well. mean, everybody... I've heard it a lot because I yeah, watched you, you play. Yes, yeah, so. you sat you sat and watched. Well, you didn't sit there, but you you were subjected to me playing that for an entire summer. So yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it was such an interesting one of the first games I feel that mixed two very different genres together and actually executed it well because it was half visual novel and half 
literally half visual novel and a half tactical strategy game. You know, visual novel slash dating sim, I guess you could call it, um, because you did have decisions to make, where in most visual novels it's kind of linear. But yeah, mm-hmm. I guess you can call it dating sim slash strategy RPG. Like, no other game tried that. And yeah, it executed it really well. I mean, to this day, I, I'm i a little sad that they tried to revive it with, with uh, recently. I think they tried to remake it with like Kubo Tite, and it just to me, <laughs> yeah. did, did not feel the same. If it's not Kosuke Fujishima's art, it's not Sakura Wars, in my opinion. Oh, was, but, the, was um, the new... Yeah, because I know there was a new one that came out not that long ago, but maybe, it was, it was maybe Kubo Maybe like two, Tite. three years ago. Yeah, it was Kubo mm-hmm. Tite rather than Fujishima. Yeah, and oh. you know, don't get me wrong, I love Kubo's art, but with Sakura Wars, it has to be um fujishima's art like it's it has to i forgot that but, was i forgot that was another thing that he did the character design work for my god he's yeah. so that many guy's... that guy just draws and draw i don't i think i don't think in the 90s he was ever not drawing even if he was asleep people were like here just put your hand on the paper all right great get some more, I mean, more of these designs out get he's design. also the original original character designers for tales of fantasia yep so you know I mean, um, wasn't for all of a lot of them. Tales most, of, no, most no, of no, them. not all. Well, no, he, not even I, around a little bit less than half of them actually, because recently they have not used his designs at all. Um, mm. I want to say the last one he did the designs for was Symphonia, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, I I don't fact check me. Uh, I will fact check myself later. But I want to <laughs> say that Tales of Symphonia or Tales of Symphonia was the last one where he was a main character designer. Is he still kind of been like uh like Amino to Final Fantasy where he does like a couple of like key image illustrations and stuff like that? Or I could I wouldn't be able to say that. Okay. Hmm. But still, character designing for half of the Tales games is like thirty games or whatever. There's so many of them. <laughs> Let me see here. Fantasia, yes, Destiny, no, Eternia, no, oh, Destiny right. Two, no, Symphonia, yes, Rebirth, no. I don't know about Legendia or Abyss or Tempest or Innocent. Gosh, I haven't even heard of most of these. At this point. Exactly. That's what I meant. Like, there's so many of them. There's, Zil- there's what? There's like Zillia, Zillia 2, Zenestria, Abyss. You know, it's a complete aside, but uh, actually, I'll submit this as another, like, uh, a, a super otaku game is uh, Vesperia, which is probably which is uh it was originally at least in the ah. u.s was a xbox 360 game and it's it is probably my favorite rpg from that era and certainly one of my top five games on the 360 in total like and they they've yeah. done some remasters of that game i really love that one yeah fujishima did vesperia as well i'm just looking at i didn't even have to look it up yeah. i saw the art i'm like that's fujishima yeah <laughs> so, yeah i really very, if, if anyone wants to play a really uh great mid uh mid 2000s rpg that i think still is really fun and has a great soundtrack vesperia is uh it's an awesome game i have no need for more rpgs to play right now my backlog <laughs> is fine. literal literal decade plus long but i will consider it in maybe 25 years there you go yeah put it on the list put it on the list but but yeah um back to back to sakura wars yeah i mean it, to me that's one of the if I if there was a Mount Rushmore of like you know defining otaku games, Sakura Wars as a series would have to be up there, right? I mean, I can't think of a more otaku game that's you know half dating sim, half tactical strategy, and then spawned multiple anime series like to you know mm-hmm. be be more associated with otakudom. Plus, plus it has the other factor that we haven't covered yet, which is a hundred percent 
it's an otaku game because it was on the Sega Saturn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Sega it was one of Sega's flagship franchises. Also, you know, you know that it's an otaku game when they make uh, dozens of uh, pachinko machines revolving around it. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I guess, trying to think, yeah. P- pachinko and the and the what's it the pa- pachisudo the 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 combat slot whatever that mm. whatever that thing is i don't know what it is it's, i just know it exists it's basically a hybrid pachinko slot machine it's more or less the same yeah but uh yeah uh yeah i think my 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 uh okay entry is going to have to be sakura wars as 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 long as my list is that's the one that i think i'll i'll toss in there that's a that's a really good one. Um, we don't have oh, much time left, but I don't have much to say about it. This game that I wanted to bring, so I'll kind of speed through this real quick. I, I was actually remembering a game that I always wanted to play, um, which is definitely an otaku game, which is um, the Serial Experiments Lane game on PlayStation. Oh, oh man. my gosh! Oh my uh, gosh, man! A very <laughs> rare game that huh. actually goes for quite a lot of money if you buy it used i think it's like anywhere from like uh, 150 to like 500 plus dollars um it's garbage uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh so you probably should have played it the way that most playstation one users played imports well i mean i didn't i didn't play it at the time i never got it because again it was it was rare and expensive um i almost bought it when i was in japan once but i'm glad i didn't because it's I I booted it up to, you know a couple of weeks ago and did, you know downloaded a ROM or whatever and tried it out. It's like a prequel to the anime and it presents this weird, terrible, um, semi like futuristic VR type interface um, with like a lane looking character in the center and you're supposed to navigate through and find like audio files and video files and that's it that's it there's no there's no real game it's just you find them in a certain order and unlocks other ones and you go listen to these and it's basically meant to lay out um some story some what was happening like before uh the anime with lane i guess Hmm. uh it's extremely opaque the the ui is very laggy uh you can't like it'll show you some audio you know some little elements or things you can click on but it won't let you view them. It will like play this long animation of like Lane doing a thing and like failing it. Uh, it's it's very frustrating. So somebody actually went and remade it recently. They like ripped all the assets and and recreated it on the internet, and then also created a simple version which you can just basically go and browse all the audio and video files and stuff, and just kind of do it that way in a more straightforward way definitely a much better way uh to experience the thing it was yeah it was pretty bad uh it was made by pioneer so like they intended for it to be part of the anime stuff uh, <laughs> pioneer made games yeah huh the, the developer and publisher pioneer ldc so i think that kind of explains why it's also so bad because <laughs> yeah <laughs> they didn't generally make games <laughs> Wait, Sam, you're telling me that a 90s interactive multimedia experience was kind of crap. I am shocked. (laughs) I I don't know. I I had so much more hopes for it, given that 
the anime and the content of the anime, but uh, I guess I don't really know why I expected it to be any good. So, well, whatever. <laughs> oh, I mean, I could tell you that's because you're a massive Lane fan. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. Um, yeah. So that's my my otaku game, which is very otaku, and also much like a lot of otaku games, is very bad. Um, but people buy them because they're otaku. Mm. Oh, I dodged a bullet there. Mm. Uh, all right, so we are basically at the end here. Uh, does any, anybody have an, uh, any final thoughts here? Um, Mike, anything about otaku games you want to stick in here? Not really, but if we end up doing more on this topic, we can always delve into lovely 90s interactive multimedia experiences, and do they count as otaku games? <laughs> the answer is yes, and yes, that sounds like a good topic sometime. Uh, Dylan, any final otaku game thoughts? Uh, I, I'm just trying to figure where Chrono Trigger sits in that. Ooh. No. Because I think by Nick's definition, it's definitely... I would say, I, my opinion is by Nick's definition, it's definitely an otaku game, but I think my uh, mind, I'm, I would say I, I, I'm not sure if it is or isn't, or maybe it, maybe it was originally and now it's not. I don't Akira know. Toriyama's kind of a weird yeah. one for me because he was doing Dragon Quest for a very long time. Like, I want to say Dragon Quest and Dragon Ball are about as old as each other. So no, I think no. that one is kind of a weird asterisk that I can understand somebody using my definition for it or saying it's too mainstream by even because I mean even in America where JRPGs were kind of niche like Chrono Trigger was incredibly louded so yeah that's yeah that's where I'm trying to figure I'm like huh where does that one yeah I feel like in the US it's not an otaku game I don't know about Japan No, not yeah. in Japan either. I don't think so because it was what they called. It was such a big deal because it was kind of the game equivalent of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because back then, Square Enix, for those that didn't know, SquareSoft and Enix were two rival companies <laughs> before circa what two thousand and three, maybe when they merged or two thousand two, uh, and yeah, something around there. And so them making Chrono Trigger in nineteen ninety five. Yeah was a huge deal because it was Squaresoft and Enix co-developing an RPG and actually not, you know, turning it into a giant pissing contest and made one of, in many people's opinions, the greatest JRPGs ever made, like, period. So, mm -hmm. actually, we, you know, it's... We, we just passed the 20-year uh, anniversary of, of Squeenix. It found wow, it was 2003. April 1, 2003. My goodness! I remember everyone was, everyone was. We were all. We were all. We hot, were all like. We were all hot and bothered about that. Yeah. That definitely yeah. turned out to be okay, but yeah. <laughs> they still make Dragon Quest. They still make Final Fantasy. And nothing's really changed. It's just all under the same label now. And Final Fantasy hasn't been an accurate name for over thirty years. So yeah. <laughs> all right, Nick. You want to segue into any of your final thoughts? Um. Yeah, I want to backtrack a little bit to the question that Mike threw out about Metal Gear. Actually got me thinking in the back of my mind about Hideo Kojima, and I actually think he's one of the rare Japanese game developers who went from 
being an otaku game developer to not an otaku game developer. And here's my justification based off of my definition. His earliest games were uh, Police Knots and... Uh, oh, what was the one on Sega CD? Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, I have to look it up now. Snatcher. That's oh the, yeah. Both of those were ha- literally had animated like and like Snatcher was very hard boiled like you know Blade Runner style, but still both were very clearly anime inspired games, uh, visual novel style games as well. So those are I would say otaku games. But honestly, Metal Gear is almost the opposite, where he went and tried to do did make a game as a Japanese game developer with very Western game design philosophies, and clearly did it very well because i mean metal gear globally is one of the most recognizable gaming like ips now probably right <laughs> so rip yeah well eh, <laughs> we got the konami maybe releasing that remake and of, of snake eater maybe it won't suck i don't know yeah well but, no kojima so no kojima yeah i know um but it, but yeah i think he's a, he's such a fascinating case like we can do an entire episode on Hideo kojima alone but i'm not mm-hmm. suggesting we do i'm just saying he's such a fascinating game developer so yeah i just wanted to kind of throw that thought out there it doesn't really conclude anything it was just kind of something uh buried in the back of my brain so i had to let it out cool um all right so next time i think what do you guys think i think we talk about um what is that what do you mean summer shows spring 2023 spring is that what it is yeah well that's what we originally wanted to do i think yeah, yeah, no, I think that's correct. I just always, I always have trouble remembering which season it is because when I'm thinking about it, it's, it feels like summer right now. So, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Time's flying. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll probably do that next time. Um, and with that, uh, that's all. And uh, sorry about the the wait. The schedule just uh, didn't quite line up for us, but we're we're back in business. Uh, so with that, this is Amo Kenzoku signing off. Saraba.